Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic bonus podcast. Uh, we'll start with a Patreon, and then everybody will get access to it a little bit later. Uh, your co-host, Bob Zero. With me, as always, is professional film critic Sean Patrick. And joining us for this special episode is Josh Adams. Thank you. This is the one decade where I saw a lot of movies. Yeah. Thanks to you guys. <laughs> now we're switching it up. It's the 1970s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go cool. <laughs> After all, 80... Oh, my God, that's right. The 80s are ending. What are you guys... Well, it's just going to be 1990. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Jesus. What are you going to do? <laughs> Time stopped. It's the 30-year. <laughs> Shut me down immediately. Cut my mic off. You'll, you'll have to come back for the big Dances with Wolves versus Goodfellas. Oh, date. Jesus. <laughs> um, I'm happy to try, but... Where, where do you stand on Driving Miss Daisy? It's one that my mom okay. used to watch it's a lot, garbage. and I yeah I wasn't fond of it, but I did like Morgan Freeman. It was my intro. It was my intro to Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I actually saw Lean on Me after Driving Miss Daisy. So Robin yeah. Hood for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was sheltered. Uh, but yeah, this episode is going to be a bonus episode, best of the decade. Uh, like I said, it's a bonus Patreon episode first, and it will come out to the masses later. So I'm not going to do all the intro crap we normally do. Uh, but uh, yeah, best of the decade. And then we're going to have a little fun because A24 has been so good to us just by making movies we like and nothing more. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, we're going we're to do a top 10 of them as well. So how do you guys want to do this? Uh, top 10s and then honorable mentions later? Uh, sure, that's fine. Uh, do we start with A24? Or do we start with the, the overall? Well, I mean, the, it's going to be, there's going to be plenty of crossover. <laughs> that's true. <clears throat> Even for me, believe it or not. <laughs> All right, let's start with the regular then. All right. And we'll talk about the A24 in the honorable mention section. So, Josh, you want to get us started? Uh, we're going top 10, right? Sure. Okay, I just want to make sure. I had ranked a number of them. So, uh, I, I should correct myself then. I I may or may not have A24 films in my top 10, but, you know, obviously we enjoyed that very much. My number 10 was my number one film of 2016, and that's La La Land. That was a podcast breaker because we all assumed that Arrival would sweep our individual Oscar session, and as it turned out, I just was engaged and surprised by that movie. Uh, it's the rare musical that got me to actually purchase the soundtrack, and I enjoy listening to that from time to time. It's worn off slightly for me because the newness of it has kind of gone away, and I thought we might see a new renaissance of young people making uh, classy, innovative, creative films like that. And as it turns out, it was kind of a one-off, it seems. Uh, but I still really enjoy that, and... Uh, I, I enjoy that I enjoy it, too. It, it's so rare that something like that would appeal to me. Yeah, La La Land was a... That was... I... I Yeah, I like that movie, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's been so much backlash against that since it came out. It's weird. Um, and it's unfortunate, because it's a really great movie. It what was the backlash it? against? There's a lot of people who think that it's just not... It was too light and to uh, you know, lacking heft to be in the Academy Award conversation that it was in. And it didn't win, guys. Get over it. <laughs> Won for a second, didn't it? <laughs> for a second. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I guess I can go next, and the critic can 
close the show. He's the headliner. <laughs> I, I will, full disclosure, <clears throat> been super busy. I did this very fast, so I probably have missed stuff. Uh, but my number 10 is Moneyball. Uh, it's my my second favorite baseball movie of all time. And it's right up there with Bull Durham. And that's really high on my list of all time. So uh, I I just love that movie. I love that it, it, it introduces you to the new school of baseball thinking. But at the same time, there's still that magic that baseball has. That every, every year, every day, you're going to see something you didn't see before in baseball. It's just because that's how baseball is. And I thought Moneyball captured that as good as any movie, or better than any movie ever has. While Bull Durham captured the, you know, the actual everyday baseball better than any other baseball movie has. And I love baseball, so it's I'm obviously over jumping things I maybe shouldn't, but uh, love that movie. It's an incredibly watchable movie. It's got great great rewatchability. You can sit down and watch Moneyball and pick it up at any moment and 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 be entertained by it all the way through. Yeah, it, I just had a conversation about Moneyball this weekend. Uh, my father-in-law was in town, and we're big baseball fans, and we have our primary focus is baseball when we talk, and it's a good thing. He's a baseball fan. We don't really have much else to talk about, <laughs> but he's really into it, and he understands what Moneyball is about. He understands the new school, et cetera, and there's even a newer um, wave of right. statistical analysis coming on. I've uh, actually listened to a book this past summer called the MVP something or whatever, and it talks about Trevor Bauer and all of the weird stuff that he does to get ahead and what other teams are trying to do to get ahead. Moneyball is a movie. Uh, really, I wonder what they do now and if it's going to be interesting enough to create a new story in the future because it's I soak this shit up <laughs> on the rig. I mean, F4 and oh, I love that stuff. And uh, if you want to have some fun, I believe it could it could have been taken down by the by the movie company, but uh, somebody put together a Brad Pitt with food <laughs> video on YouTube where it's just Brad Pitt love, acting with food, <laughs> which is every movie. <laughs> It's really there's a lot of it in Moneyball. <laughs> uh, my number ten is uh, on this list specifically because of this show. Uh, otherwise, it might have missed my top ten overall. But Enemy is my number ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal playing two two roles here, and uh, uh, just a movie that's incredibly special because it, it, we spent so much time with it. Uh, we all kind of discovered it in our own way, and uh, it's just such a unique movie and such a uniquely talented. Uh, director and of course Gyllenhaal was on the hottest of hot streaks at that time and yeah uh, we we did an entire episode on it that's still one of the best things we've ever done yeah we you know you see those YouTube videos where they explain it and we fucking nailed it down and we got it <laughs> it doesn't get better than that episode <laughs> you two really did I was really commenting in an old boy sense on what you were talking about and through well, the episode, I broke it down even more in my head because well, I thought I had it. Well, I think we kind of got there. I think we all kind of had ideas, and by the end of the episode, it, we just kind of all got there together. And it was, yeah, and that was before we really knew what A24 was. I think we maybe mm-hmm. seen it. I don't think we'd ever mentioned it on the show. <laughs> uh, but a, that was kind of the movie that definitely jump-started the A24 obsession on our end yeah, and you you barely got this one in right because it was at the very small theater that doesn't exist yeah. anymore <laughs> the and they were bringing some down. independent <laughs> films uh, every week or so yeah 
and I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, under the skin was like supposed to come. Yes, the, and then they shut down right. or something like that. I was there. I was the very last potential customer at that theater. I was trying to see Draft Day, and it, there was a 9:30 showing that I was at, but they locked the doors, and the employee came to tell me, "I'm sorry, the, the company actually told us to shut it down after 7:30." So I didn't even get to see Draft Day, man. But you're right. Under the skin was next. <laughs> yeah, I got to see it there, enemy. <laughs> if you did or not. Lucky bastards. <laughs> uh, what do you got for number nine, Josh? I have Gravity, a space movie uh, about the dangers of space, supposedly, or also uh, the dangers of technology and, and how small we are in the universe. Uh, it's visually incredibly stunning. Uh, I don't know if either of you saw it in 3D when mm-hmm. it came out. You did. Okay. I saw it in in. IMAX, I don't remember if it was 3D, but being up against that screen and hearing that IMAX boom go on and all of the the sounds of the debris in space going by the ship and everything, it's such a tense movie with just really a couple players involved. And it's such an achievement. Uh, looking back at it now, I think I like it m- even more than I did then. It's happened a lot with space movies from this decade. I, I tend to like like them more afterwards. Yeah, that was one of the better. That was a great year. And I'm yeah. looking at because I tried to pull four or five movies from every year, and that's one of the ones I pulled from. Was it 13? Yeah, with like her and American Hustle and Enemy Under the Skin and. My number nine is also from that year. <laughs> so, uh, just yeah, that was a fantastic movie. Uh, just a great experience. Uh, anything you want to say on it? You want me to no, move that's on right. to nine? I, I like Gravity. Uh, and the rewatchability, a factor on that one, too, even mm-hmm. off the 3D and IMAX. Uh, I had Inside Lewin Davis at number nine. Uh, that movie just... It's one of those movies that gets better the more I think about it, <laughs> uh, and it just keeps growing. I think initially my favorite movie that year was American Hustle, and then this one just kind of kept sticking with me. And it really—that's when my obsession with Oscar Isaac occurred. And now he's doing shit, but he was doing great movies. <laughs> uh, went from that to like X Mac, and I just was—he's just all around awesome. And yeah. Uh, just I love that movie. It's so good, and I don't know if you ever if you haven't seen it, go see it. It's great. I'll add I'll add something when I talk about it later. <laughs> yeah, I figured it would come up on your list. <laughs> Have you seen it, Josh? Yeah, yeah. I I was able to watch it. Uh, luckily, uh, late in that season, very late. It was probably the last one before we actually got to the Oscars, and uh, it's the Coen Brothers, Brothers for crying yeah. out loud. It, it's going to be interesting, if right. not great. And it was my first exposure to Oscar Isaac as well. Uh, that music, every, what, decade or two decades hits me. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Happened to be the Coen Brothers. And this one, and T-Bone Burnett, was the was behind both of those soundtracks in, in the music itself. Uh, it's very impressive, even if it's not the, the genre of music that I go to first. Well, early Adam Driver in there, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my number nine is Steve Jobs. Uh, Steve Jobs is uh, an incredible movie, and nobody gives this movie enough credit. Uh, it's just so exceptional the the structure and the and the look of the movie and the way he captures Steve Jobs in in a way that just uh, I didn't think a movie could. Uh, he Fassbender's performance is this is the best of his career, no doubt about it for me. Um, 
he's just he's so electric. You know, he just he's just inhuman and ingenious and insidious, and it's it's fascinating. You can't take your eyes off of him, uh, and the, just the little twists and turns of the stories. You know, the, that wonderful story about how he just made this piece of crap computer just to, just to stick it to Apple. <laughs> And just with no intent of it ever actually working, and it works, and it gets him back into Apple. It's such a great story, and he tells it so brilliantly. He's like an evil. He's like a real life evil genius, Steve. <laughs> Steve Jobs, and uh, Danny Boyle's direction is amazing. He's just he's just he's telling a life story, but he's doing it with an incredible uh, pace and and liveliness that uh, that you know makes scenes as just exchanges of dialogue just feel like uh, like an action movie. Yeah, that's such an unlikely pairing, too. Danny Boyle and an Aaron Sorkin script, right? Yeah. And so the pace of Sorkin is something that we're all very familiar with from various projects. And we expect a certain thing out of him, but Boyle somehow does it better than anyone. His kinetic style seems to be a, an excellent fit, despite what you might think. Uh, Danny Boyle's done a lot of different projects, but maybe nothing quite like a Sorkin I think, and don't forget, Kate Winslet in this one is yeah, really, really great, great too. Seth Rogen, Rogen. Yeah. yeah, Seth Rogen. I I remember applauding him on the show for bringing me out of the goop when it came to Seth Rogen because <laughs> he's he's got some of the best lines in the past decade in that one about being a genius. You don't have to be an asshole. Uh, that's amazing stuff that I've used in real life. <laughs> what do you got for number eight? I have, uh, sorry, Bob. <laughs> I know how much you aren't crazy about That's this fine. guy, you but shitty movies on here. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is as I've read this week. It's very divisive for whatever reason, uh, and I feel pretentious saying it. But the Tree of Life oh. um, from twenty eleven. I can accept that. I was going to say Interstellar. <laughs> well, I'm not saying that it's not on my honorable mentions, but. Okay. Realize, fine. I can at least understand that. Uh, that two times that I've seen this movie, it got better the second time somehow. It's such a a dream. Uh, you'd think that it would be a story about fathers and sons only, but there's this uh, metaphysical aspect to the film and in the, in the way that it's filmed. In fact, in the the score that goes along with it, that puts you in sort of a trance. And it's one of the most meaningful spiritual experiences I've ever had watching a movie. And I would put it right next to 2001 A Space Odyssey, despite the fact that they're in no way related. It's just the style of filmmaking that, that really got me. Uh, I, I think this is one of the most magnificent movies of all time, not just of the decade. Yeah, it, it is deeply moving, especially if you get if you approach it in the right way. Obviously, if, if you're not in the mood for this movie, then you're not going to be in this movie. It, yeah, it, your eyes are going to roll. All <laughs> yep, uh, and and that's fine. Uh, the, the it's an exciting movie too. Uh, the the ideas he's he, he has at play and. Like you mentioned, the dream stuff and the way that people start, you know, someone will just start to float. <laughs> just And it does feel like it feels hallucinatory. And that's really a, a wonderful experience if you're up for it. My number eight is Black Klansman. Uh, a lot of the, you're going to have a lot of recent movies because uh, it's been a good couple of years. And I don't know that. That was almost like the perfect movie. Uh, I would guess all of these really, you could argue, make that argument. But 
the rewatchability factor is amazing on that one. The direction's amazing. The message amazing. The acting's great. It's back to back Adam Driver movies <laughs> that I have on my list. Uh, I mean, Spike Lee, uh, Denzel's kid. I can never remember his goddamn name. I'll never remember that. <laughs> He's gonna love him until Tenet comes out. <laughs> no, I like him. Oh, okay, I okay. Like the movie. <laughs> I might. If it's good, it's good. Uh, I just, it was a ton of fun. Uh, I, I don't really know what else to say about it other than it, it's, maybe it's still too recent and that's why it's, you know, knocking out like Gravity and Drive and all these other movies, but I, I like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Black Klansman as well. And, you know, it's nice to see uh, Spike Lee back and doing doing some of his best work ever, right? And you know, working in that uh, transgressive realm that he's so great at, and commenting on both then and now. It's really <laughs> yeah. bringing bringing yesterday into today is really uh, a really powerful fashion as well. Yeah. That that film is the voice of what the articulate voice of what I would like to use for most social arguments regarding our political situation. Uh, it's just so well stated and said. It just missed my list. My number eight is Arrival. Uh, this is a, a brilliant movie. Uh, Jack Villeneuve just is uh, an amazing director, as we already know. And uh, yeah, Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, a wonderful cast. And uh, I, I have all, what is, this movie. Feel, I feel like I was taught something about about movies by this movie, and it's in the way that that Jeremy Renner's character is written and. and uh, the way he, that character is is used in this movie is so clever, and and it's just it's a, a wonderful piece of screenwriting and and filmmaking trickery to to use that character in the way he is and how pivotal he is and how people don't realize until later until you like you have to sit down and analyze it to realize this couldn't have happened without him even as he might not seem at at front you know throughout. I loved that. I love being able to discover that, but I also love. You know, being able to discover this movie throughout. You know, what is Amy Amy Adams whispering to the general in that moment? Or that the, these little touches that she adds throughout in her performance and in that character. It's such a it's a movie of incredible depth and artistry and uh, taking genre filmmaking and turning it into a, a work of art. I'll talk more about it later. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this it might have been the most uh, satisfying moment on the podcast for me when you guys really enjoyed it as much as you did when I was screaming about it when the teaser trailer came out. And we, we liked Villeneuve at that point. It, it just happened to be a science fiction movie. We were worried about what he would do with a bigger budget, et cetera. And as it turns out, I mean, he completely has floored it every time, floored us every time that he's done something. Uh, but, it's always unprofitable. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, and I'm not even sure if Arrival was for that matter. But, I'm sure it was. Yeah. Or they would have got on Blade Runner. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll get to it later. What do you got for seven? N- number seven uh, is, is tough because I, I'd like to have it a little higher. Um, but at the same time, this is where I started to really struggle. Seven down to one. Uh in theory, all of my number ones for these past six to seven years or whatever should really be in the top ten in theory. Right. But there's stuff like Arrival that was number two, and it kind of kicked a number one down, etc. Uh, a Star is Born is my number seven, and I know that uh, not everybody's crazy about it. It's gotten a little overkill, of course, because of the main song Shallows, in it. Yeah. And 
I have I haven't seen it a second time, and all I can remember is how powerful it was for me the first time, and that idea of of two people just getting together and creating something very personal between the two of them and presenting that to the world. Uh, there's something magical to me about uh, music making. And I'm not a music maker myself, but boy, I love watching people do it. Uh, this It reminded me of once, but uh, handled with better craft, I, I guess you could say. And nothing against John Carney, because I, I love him, uh, but Bradley Cooper is a first-time director. You've got to be kidding me. Uh, there, there's so much perfect about this movie to me that I can't help but... Alleviated uh, above a few of these options that I pushed down. I know well, I, I don't love it as much as you guys did, but uh, I think it, it is it is a wonderful combination of the personal and the the blockbuster, if you will. Like, yeah. It is a, it's a it's a personal and it's a perfectly mainstream movie that has a a very wide appeal, and that's certainly impressive. And 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 for a first time director, I mean, I, I wrote about you know some of the. Uh, directorial touches that uh, Bradley Cooper brought to this. It's really very smartly directed. Yeah, it's really impressive. It's also my number six as well. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's... I, that's the hard part. Like, you mentioned once, and you called this better... I think a lot of it is money. You know, this has is allowed to be... You know, you got Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, so you're going to have a bigger budget. And... That's where that's why I wanted to do a Silver Day Twenty Four list is because money does matter. I mean, I hate knocking off movies because of you know certain you know I don't know. Part of me is like, well, maybe just throw the the you know the Mandys and the Mothers and put those in my top ten. But those, as fun as they are and as bold as they are, they're not the total package. And that's what I'm trying to accomplish here. And as Star is born, it really is a total package. And Sometimes when you have the total package, you lose a little of that indie cred, I guess. But it's such a good movie, and I, I have watched it a couple times. And I do think it gets better with each viewing. Uh, I I don't know. And plus, I have that music bias, same baseball, money ball. That's why it made the list. It, it just makes it more powerful for me because of you know showing that scene of them cre- creating that song, even though I don't ever want to hear it again, is... <laughs> pretty magical uh, when i when i think of that movie it's more lavia and rose that she performs in in the bar than shallow that does it for me it's great that you know she goes up onto the stage during that and the camera tracks her as kind of a one-shot scenario that's really neat but for me it's it's well, the moment that better. they yeah I, I agree i agree I, but then creating the song is pretty amazing because yeah. it's you buy it there's no it's not eye-rolling. It's just really, I don't know, it's a tight movie, and I don't know, I enjoy it quite a bit. <laughs> and I noticed Uncle Jeff had it in his top ten of the decade as, as well. well. Yeah. What do you Did you say uh, six or seven? I thought seven, you said six. Seven, sorry. Okay. Sorry. Uh, my number seven is Inside Lewin Davis, uh, to revisit that for a moment, uh, the Cohen brothers and Oscar Isaac, Adam Driver. Uh, just an amazing, <laughs> amazing movie. The Cohen brothers are so... Incredible, and it's sad that uh, you know they've taken so much time away to do TV and have missed out on making more movies in the last couple of years. Uh, they did, you know, Hail Caesar was the last thing they did, and right. uh, that was a great movie, a wonderful film, but that doesn't really hold up next to everything else that they've done. And I, I hope we get to see them back soon uh, doing something like this, which is such a unique and odd idea. 
you know, because it's just about this really jerky character and and who happens to be this really brilliant musician. And it's such a wonderful study of a person who just he's just such a dick. Just keeps making the wrong decisions <laughs> exactly. the entire Every way turn. through it. <laughs> it's wonderful. <clears throat> and, and, and Oscar Isaac just captures it perfectly. This guy is just, he's arrogant. <laughs> he's so arrogant. And this is the perfect example of, this is probably better than A Star is Born, but it's that, I don't know. I, I, I don't know why. I, why I'm. It's so hard to pick what's better than right. not, not it. But I don't always, know. as always, we must acknowledge how silly this is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it just. It, it's really hard for me to sit there and why do I like one better than the other? Uh, I don't know. I really couldn't tell you. But and I guess when you get to this point, you're really just you're cutting straws. <laughs> yeah. If there's anyone out there that discovered Oscar Isaac as a result of the Star Wars movies, imagine the shock they would get if they went back in his filmography and saw <laughs> A Most Violent Year and, or sure. this one. I'm not sure their intelligence could handle it. <laughs> <laughs> Even I have to admit, like in Star Wars, Oscar Isaac is wasted uh, wasted. on the films. Absolutely. Uh, number six. My number six is my number one, number one on this show. Uh, back in 2013, her, uh, Joaquin Phoenix as kind of a loner loser who falls in love with a computer program uh, voiced by Scarlett Johansson. It's Spike Jones's direction. Uh, he's He's got these quirks in his filmmaking that really appeal to me. And uh, on top of that, the idea seems timely still in even getting more like that it seems where everyone is at a distance and so what you feel closer to is what's in your own home and what the, what can be brought to you not necessarily what you can go find uh so i in reminding myself of this movie i was thinking about uh not just the technology uh, and how this is on our doorstep but also how do we maybe get away from that? Or is it okay to fall in love with something that's completely artificial? Uh, people do it all the time with uh, dolls. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or just Ryan Gosling, maybe, in Lars and Real Girl. But We're Jesus. still making her. It's, it's funny. It's yes. like there's two, there were two movies this year yeah. that took this exact same premise. Both of them were shit. Well, the Netflix one was at least fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a- there's no called, logic behind it. It's called Amy. A.I.M.I. It's, it's like it, Siri. It's got, a, it's got a great ending. At the very least, that ending is killer. But this It's one of those where you have to let logic go out the window to yeah. get to the ending. <laughs> but if you can do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, hers. And just the whole, the way they did Scarlett Johansson, too. The movie was done. They brought her in at the end. I don't know. The whole thing yeah, is fantastic. Crazy. Just great filmmaking all around. And Joaquin Phoenix has really never slowed down it's true. since prior to that movie, probably. Uh, my number six is The Big Sick. Uh, I love that movie. It's a perfect movie with multiple stories going all at once. It's very personal. It's very real. And I just... I don't know. I, I think what... Uh, oh, my God. I forgot his name. Kamal, Kamal Nanjiani. Uh, you can just feel how invested he was into that movie. And it I, it just it really stuck with me. And I loved every aspect of it from his story to the, the in-law story to 
him and his wife's story. It, just everything going on at once was just it was handled so perfectly that I don't I, I don't know. It was just remarkable. I don't know. I'll get to it later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Much higher on my list. Uh, my number six is The Social Network. Uh, David Fincher making the Facebook movie. And uh, uh, we're going to do this as a classic sometime next year. Um, and I just, it's such a great, great movie. What am I going to say about this? Uh, I just, Jesse Eisenberg's performance is so prescient of the. Uh, of the internet. He is the internet. <laughs> I mean, he's basically, when you look at it, when you look at internet comment sections, is it not this guy? Does it not reflect who this guy is? Uh, just a complete jackass. Uh, and he doesn't even realize it. <laughs> he's such a jerk. That scene with him and Rooney Mara, where she's breaking up with him the very first time, <laughs> their very first meeting, the first time we see them together, is just, it's it's so appreciated. It's everything that's happened since then is... Is this movie? It's just so predictive of all of the rest of the world. It's so remarkable, and and I people don't give this movie enough credit. And Army Hammer is the Winklevoss twins, just pitch perfect. And you know you've got Andrew Garfield in there playing the audience surrogate, who's also a real character, but he's like he's us. He's having he's really serving the purpose of us alongside Rooney Mara and kind of sharing that burden and. A perfect script by Sorkin, and Fincher's direction is just electric. I mean, he's just completely on point. I, it's awesome. Just so awesome. I'll get to it later. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was part of my honorable mentions. That's like a dream team right there, Sorkin and Fincher. But since 2010 or 11 when it was released, Facebook is so different now, and it, it's taken on a more life than that film had to offer. But I think that's more of a story about Zuckerberg. Yeah. To me, it's that, it's that ending when all he's looking for is the friend. It's kind of that rosebud moment where it's, I've always called it the modern day citizen Kane. And I really think it is. It's that good. Uh, I don't know. I'll say that again later in like, (laughs) anyway, what are we next? Five, five, uh, surprise, surprise, a journalism movie. Spotlight was my number one in 2015. And uh, I, everyone knows the story. There's no point in me rehashing that part. It's just the power of truth and the, and the necessary uh, purpose that journalism serves in this country to expose things that don't all otherwise have a voice. It's never been more important in film to me than Spotlight. And there's a lot of other examples that we could talk about. Uh, Citizen Kane, even if you really wanted to go there. But uh, it's incredibly important to me that more people see movies like this when journalism gets such a bad name to the point where if you say something that's true based on the source, all of a sudden that discredits you or something like that. And, And I don't get it. I, I was raised to believe that news is news, news is fact, and now it's it's muddled, and I hate that. <laughs> and this is this is purity. That movie is purity for me. Yeah, and there's I, it's an honorable mention for me. I love that movie, and it's it's frustrating that the media is what it is. But then you like, I mean, I've mentioned it before Ronan Farrow. The stuff that he's done is fantastic, and you have those individual journalists that. You know, you can rely on kind of, but then even we talked about that Clint Eastwood movie, that particular, the one who they villainized, what she did was fine. 
what they've missed the whole boat on was the media took up and made a they just made a circus out of it and they that's where the issue is and it frustrates me that we get lost in that and we lose out we're missing out on tons of stories like this because of the circus that is you know the 24-hour news media yeah but spotlight is fantastic <clears throat> i have a rival at number five uh <laughs> It's weird too because I'm assuming it's not on your list. Maybe not a mention. It is right after the top ten. Right. So he, this is the one that he wanted us to like. And <laughs> right. It ends up on in my list. But not I his. assumed that would happen. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I Amy Adams might be my favorite actress. I she has been pretty nonstop. All decade long, American Hustle. Uh, that even that TV show she did on HBO was great. Uh, she's just been. I'll even take her as Lois Lane. I know the movies haven't been great, but she wasn't the problem. Uh, I'd rather she not be in those movies, do things like this. But Arrival was just such a unique experience. And like Sean said, it, you're kind of learning. You know, he changed the way you look at movies. They took a character, and you've brought this up before, that uh, the Jeremy Renner character, you've used that to explain The Irishman, to explain other movies where they, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where they, had he been a female character and a bigger name, you know, you're going to have people in the media saying, why aren't they giving her lines? Or why aren't they doing... <laughs> it matters. It makes that movie more powerful. Yes. And uh, and I don't know if that's the first one. It was the first one I can think of that, you know, that really had that much of an impact and even more so an arrival than the other two that I just mentioned. But it is just, it is a flawless movie that, and you're talking about a subject matter that I could give two shits about, and <laughs> or a genre at least. Yeah. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, it's my law, man. <laughs> but I, he's one of my favorite directors, and I root for him every step of the way. I love everything he's done. I'm scared to death what this Dune movie is going to be. Uh, I want it to be great. and I think it'll be great. I want it to be profitable so we can keep doing this. Yeah. Uh, but the vanilla villain of whatever the fuck his name is is just top notch, and it is a fantastic movie. Uh, what do you got? Where are we at? Five. Gone Girl. This is uh, another Fincher movie. It's uh, Ben Affleck. Starring along with Rosamund Pike, uh, I really thought she'd be a bigger star by now. I know. After this movie, she's so amazing in this. Uh, it is. It's such a perfect piece of casting. She just, she is this character, and she is so integral to this whole thing. That twist in the middle of the movie stunned me. It knocked me dead. I could not believe what I was seeing. It was so well played. And then everything that comes after that, the, you've got this remarkable bi- bits of violence that she gets into. You know, the, the, the little character touches that she adds, just being like she's sloppy. <laughs> she's got this, she's got this messed up car. She's got, she goes and she's living by herself and she's hiding out. And she's just leaving pizza boxes everywhere and just eating. <laughs> just like it's, it's such weird shit that she's doing. Just these little tiny little character touches. Uh, it's just brilliant. And then Affleck, I mean, playing off of both being Ben Affleck, but also being this character, the way he, he mel- melds that into this movie is so ingenious. Oh, God, it's just a wonderful piece of direction again. Fincher is just so completely in control and manipulating you the whole way. 
Uh, Neil Patrick Harris has <laughs> just a couple of really phenomenal moments in that movie. I, I can't wait to look back at it. I think what I was actually going to pitch you on is that we're going to do a, a special Patreon episode about Gone Girl specifically next year just to see. Just to watch it again. Josh, want to come back? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do, actually. And I can just uh, go right off of that. That's my number four is Gone Girl. Uh, I, I'm reticent to say that it's Fincher's best movie because he's had so many good ones. I mean, Social Network and Seven and those just off the top of my head and I've enjoyed a lot of things that aren't as great just for visual style alone but uh, I remember that moment in the theater when you were we there were yeah fairly close yeah and I went with my buddy and uh, I was so scared to say that I loved the movie so afterwards <laughs> <laughs> because if you hated it I knew that I didn't know what the hell I was talking well, about we've had these experiences on the shows where it's like well, hereditary for us, and then when you didn't feel that way, it was just it was a letdown. And then I love this movie so much because I'm going to get to it later. <laughs> uh, knowing you were there, and I just like he doesn't like this. There's no way he's going to like this movie, and just the doubt and the I was scared to find out. And I don't think we we didn't talk, did we? We nope. It was when like, we got back. Hey, to see the, you Sunday. <laughs> And ended up being uh, probably the movie of the podcast, even more so than Enemy, uh, same year. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I Fincher is God, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, is it my turn, then? Yep. Uh, number four. I'm like, I, maybe I'm low on this, but Hereditary. Uh, it's We're splitting hairs. I mean, we've admitted that. I'm, I'm, I don't need to keep repeating that. But Ari Aster is... He has not missed, and he's gotten better movie to movie. And I, to me, this is a a perfect horror movie. I understand why people don't like it. I think they're missing something. And uh, every time I watch it, it's just like, oh my god, it gets better. And it's there's there is, and Midsummer even helps because there is something going on all the time. There's stuff in the shadows you can't even see, and it just. I mean, I know it kind of follows a Rosemary's Baby kind of storyline, but I, 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 when I'm watching it, that doesn't pop in my head. That's yeah. usually the argument I hear about it. You know, the scare, the craziest parts in the middle. You know, it's <laughs> just it's a work of art, and yeah. I, I just it to me it's a uh, to me the next really the last five are perfect movies, and I, I just love this movie. That's uh, my number four as well, Hereditary. Oh. And, uh, yeah, Ari Aster is a genius. It's just a, a masterpiece of a movie. And the, it's the production design that always gets me. The, the little tiny details, that opening moment where he just takes you into this model and it's quick and it just uh, just imperceptibly becomes an actual room that Gabriel Byrne walks into and Alex Wolf is in the bed. And that, that's just such a wonderful detail. But then the little models throughout and then the way he uses production design, changing the size of things in the room, just to kind of manipulate the way you see everything. It's just ingenious. It's just, I mean, masterpiece level. That it, the, the attention to detail in this movie is incredible. And that's what gets me every time. And, it, and I don't care about... Uh, the other stuff, <laughs> right? Like the other problems that people have. I I love Tony Collette cl- climbing on the on the ceiling is one of the best things I've ever seen. 
<laughs> and then her, when she loses her head, I mean, it's just, uh, it's gut wrenching. It's gut wrenching. Yeah, go back, go and watch Waves, and then after you watch Hereditary, and, and have fun with that. Because <laughs> <laughs> those two together, even though they're two different directors. Uh, I know he's not even feeding off it, but their heads are out the window a lot in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and the way he filmed that movie, I know it's not in my top ten, but right. it was last year for 2019. Uh, I, I don't know. I just it is. It's not about being the scariest movie of all time. It, that's you can't scare anybody in the theater anymore. It's just a piece of art, and I, I understand the problems. And to me, it's more. Those are people who are at the surface. They're not digging in. Uh, my brother, he's got. He goes well, the best parts. The this part, if they change this, it all falls apart. Well, they didn't change it though. They did. <laughs> so, it, and you could have turned it into the Baba book, Duck, but that isn't on anybody's list. So, I mean, I don't. I, I mean, I don't know. I love the Baba Duck. I do, I do too, but it's not in our top ten, is it? <laughs> it it's not. It, it made my honorable mention list. Of, and hereditary didn't. <laughs> it didn't. But you know what, though? I, I wanted to say something about the attention to detail. What struck me the most about that film, what I enjoyed the most about it, is this idea of model making that Tony Collette's character is doing and how that definitely mirrors the relationship with her mother and... and it's it's not so subtle like it, it's if you're smart enough you obviously get that part right but it's how she deals with those models it's like she's speaking to her mom through them and i thought maybe that was going to be the onus of the film right that there was something uh inherently supernatural about that or whatever and instead it went in a different direction and that that's fine because whatever but that um, about the film that style of of showing the detail you'd almost have to considering that's inherent to the story too well you know it's what's exciting and 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 just you think about this what i think about this movie i find something new about it every time and we're talking about the models the nonchalance in the way that tony collette approaches making a model where her own mother is is <laughs> breastfeeding her child and the nonchalance with which she pr- pr- approaches portraying that is so deceptive and it's so much part of the tone of the movie and you're in the audience looking at it going why aren't you more fucked up <laughs> like you should be even more fucked up about this right it gets you know when m night shallon did the sixth sense we've all been looking for that twist and we're all trying to figure everything out he doesn't allow you to figure anything out and yeah they go down a route that i guess you could i don't even like to call it typical because it's not uh, in fact, at this point, it's you know no one's really gone down that route since the seventies. So, uh, but it uh, he just kind of gets you out of that mindset, and then you're just kind of experiencing it, and that's really what is impressive. And I'm sure we're going to get to the other one later, but I think you're going to like that one better than Hereditary. I I do feel like the people who didn't like Hereditary are more in love with Midsummer. I definitely like that trailer, but I also like the Hereditary trailer. I just know that I'm, whenever I do see Midsummer, I'm going to immediately send a message to you guys and let you know what I thought. That uh, was a piece of shit. <laughs> I did get that text. Well, hold on a second, though, because, you know, there there's the possibility that it'll pull a Rachel getting married on me. Uh in which I'm yelling at you guys at the beginning of the film, what the hell is going on? I hate these characters. Oh, this is a masterpiece. <laughs> Whoops. 
<sighs> Number three? Yeah. yeah. Um, talk about a change in venue here. Uh, it's about time. Literally, it's the movie about time. Uh, I. It's in my top 50, so it's easy to include here. But I, I love what the group in England that consists of Richard Curtis, uh, sometimes Roger Michelle, sometimes, uh, what they do with romance and comedy intertwined, whether it's Notting Hill or Four Weddings and a Funeral, Love Actually, whatever the case may be, there's something very unique in, in their own style about every movie that they make. This one weaves in time travel in such a simple, weird way, and then it manages to have various relationships throughout the film that are all wonderful. The relationship between Domino Gleason and Bill Nye, uh, Rachel McAdams and Domino Gleason, uh, Gleason and his, his mom, the sister involved too. There's, there's so much character in, in this movie and so much love going on that it just overwhelmed me the first time that I saw it. It was a complete surprise that I felt this strongly about it. And I'm, I'm obviously going off of emotion here. It's not like it's groundbreaking film by any means, but uh, this one will stay with me more than most films on this list. Well, that's the point too. If we all had the same 10 movies, <laughs> this yeah, would be yeah. boring. And uh, I mean, that's really what it is about. That's, I love that movie. It's not my genre at all, but it is, it's such a re- one of three watchable. Uh, it's, and whenever you can convince me to watch a romantic comedy that's not, not it's not really comedy but a movie like that that doesn't appeal to me and then it ends up being amazing that's yeah. always always special it's the only film that i can think of where a character has to arrive at the decision of if i do this then i'm never going to have this child and as a parent, that's something I've thought of before. Like, if I had made decision X, I never would have had my son. And that's so frightening to me. I'll be honest, <laughs> that's part of the appeal to Arrival for me. Is yes, that whole, yes. Uh, where are we at? Three. <laughs> Three. <laughs> uh, repeat, social network. Uh, I I keep calling it the Citizen Kane of this era, and I believe it. I, I think David Fincher is the best director of all time. I think he's maybe too perfect and maybe he makes people do too many takes. I don't know. I mean, I'm in the middle of watching Zodiac and it is just pure joy. Uh, I just love what he does. Even like the curious case of Benjamin button. I don't care about that story, but you know, it's good. You know, he, he this guy does not, he just doesn't disappoint. He is fen- phenomenal. And, even the Janie's Got a Gun video is awesome. <laughs> Even Alien 3 is awesome from a certain point of view. I agree. I, I agree completely. I just, I love David Fincher and I love this movie and uh, it, it's perfect. And we've already talked about it. So what do you got for three? My number three is The Neon Demon. Uh, Nicholas Winding Wren and just uh, so messed up. It's just such a messed up movie. I I just watched this movie with my jaw on the floor the entire time, just kind of blown away at how bold and artistic and dangerous and transgressive this movie is. It's uh, you know bathed in blood and just I mean 
you he paints himself into corners and just goes to the absolute extreme to get himself out of it. And the extreme he goes to at the end is so shocking and so violent and so awe awe inspiring. It's just one of the most incredible uh, twists at the end of any movie I've ever seen. Uh, Jenna Malone in this movie blew my mind. She's so great. Uh, I mean. I love this movie so much. And Nicholas Weidegrin, I wasn't sure whether or not his stuff was ever going to work for me fully. Like, I like Drive. The movie he did with Ryan Gosling after that was... Yeah. This movie was incredible. (laughs) It's an absolute perfect masterpiece. Imagine, I think that was the week that uh, Independence Day Resurgence also came out, (laughs) and I saw that earlier in the day, then got to see Neon Demon at, at night. Right before I came to the show. <laughs> and the jaw hitting the ground is exactly the right expression that I would use. It's This movie just, it's eating pop culture. And all of the, the dressing up and the fakeness of, of all the things that the movie portrays, it just eats it. Yeah. And literally and figuratively. <laughs> yeah, I, part of me wanted to make my list all movies like this, and then I just kept, well, how do you leave this out? How do you leave that out? And I mean, between this and Mandy and you know other movies that are like it, that I mean, this one it probably is the most perfect of all of them. But there's a lot of bold ass movies that uh, the Virgin movie, uh, Night of the Virgin, Night of the Virgin. Uh, uh, the house that Jack built. There's a lot of these weird fucking movies that came out that even lowers the cast to a lesser extent. Uh, <laughs> that there's a lot of fun movies that should have been on the list, and I'm kind of bummed that I didn't include one of those. But Neon Demons, fucking awesome. Uh, my number two is Joker. Uh, it's going to be my number one film of what I've seen this year, which is much less than the previous six years obviously but uh this is a <laughs> it's like uh my all of my frustration with the world from a child all the way through adulthood is wrapped into this character who i live vicariously through and it, that doesn't mean that i'm desiring to be a psychopath or a criminal or anything like that but it's just like this ball of angst releasing itself in whatever way you interpret the film that's so delightful to see cinema is where we go to escape right not always is it uh, a good escape sometimes we're we're there and are experiencing terrible things that we know are satisfying to our souls and joker is satisfying to my soul not only do i love this character from the beginning of the time that i cared about batman Batman's not in the movie, really. <laughs> and so, the baby, yeah, little kid. <laughs> just focusing on my favorite villain of all time and then somehow transcending my expectations, which is a Todd Phillips expectation. Despite the fact that I've seen King of Comedy and <laughs> and, and it's Taxi heavy Denver. borrowing from, from those two films, exactly, it still is so very satisfying to me and this is one that's going to stick with me for a long time i almost with everything that has happened in the world that has frustrated me over the past four or five years or whatnot uh, i felt better after seeing this almost that we can we can get away from it somehow it it doesn't trap us we still have the ability to escape so it's nice i have two minds in this movie uh when we did the 
podcast, I was fresh and I was with you, and I'm still with you yeah, more sure, than I'm sure. with him. <laughs> but he's not wrong when it's the like to me, it's a mirror back at yourself. And when you're looking at it like that, it's like this is what I'm doing wrong, what I could be better about. And that's Absolutely. where I feel this is what you're supposed to take out of this movie. I do think people are taking it wrong, and that pisses me off, and it makes me move the movie down a little bit. And that's what bothers me about it. Uh, I will say between this and A Beautiful uh, beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, very similar movies on totally opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, <laughs> go see that, though. I'm telling you, it's oh, fucking amazing. I believe you. Uh, it, it makes me feel like it's not about what everybody else needs to do different. It's what I need to do different. And this, I, I think the Joker, if you're watching it the right way, tells you this is what you're doing wrong this is where your issue is and we kind of when we had the episode i think we kind of dug into that i love the movie it bugs me that people are at it wrong and part of me is like well the sequel what if he's not even the joker i mean that's a totally possibility (laughs) that's true uh and it uh, that doesn't bother me at all uh but i there's just things that there are people that are pissing me off about it, but I do love it. Uh, I feel like the way it's supposed to be seen, uh, it does make you want to not be those guys in the subway, you know, and we all are at times, whether we want to admit it or not. Uh, I don't know. I, I love the movie, uh, but I'll be honest. It was like my number 10 of 2019. Oh, sure. I, I know that I'm one of the very few. No, no, no. You're this. one of the many, but I think you're, I don't think you're wrong and I think you're watching it the right way, but there are people that are annoying me with it. Most definitely with all massively popular films. Of course, I, th- what I mean by, I think I'm alone on it is more, uh, films of the decade, uh, of all of the lists that I've seen, obviously, I have not seen this think, on any of them. I think most people just assume it's too new to put on a, on a best of the decade list. Sure thing. Mm. Is it my turn? Yeah. yeah. My number two is Mad Max. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would make sense. <laughs> I do think that's the best action movie of the decade, though. I'm not going to. I'll stand by that. But my number two is Gone Girl. Uh, we've said it. Uh, perfect movie. Uh, I can't wait. I want to do that podcast that you said. Uh, I've watched it a few times. It is. It gets better every time. I, David Fincher is the best that's out there. Uh, his collective, he just doesn't have that. Other than, I mean, I'll say the game is a miss for me because I walked into the theater and I said, if this ends up being the game the whole time, fuck this movie. And <laughs> guess what? <laughs> Call it something different. Uh, Otherwise, though, I mean, Panic Room, whatever, but everything else has been pretty fucking awesome. Seven, Fight Club. I mean, this guy is, you know, Scorsese has a lot more misses than he does. So, and there's just, this movie is so complicated. And so, you know, you make one false move and it falls apart. And he just, you know, he just was, he just followed that thread perfectly. And, pisses me off that i feel like we're on an island (laughs) i right now i have to fight the what's better the book or the movie well it's not even close for me but uh i don't know how great is fincher he made tyler perry good (laughs) yes that's right oh wow that is a tall order (sighs) well it's like you said you know if people like rosamund pike should be a huge star right now uh the chick from those carrie coon yeah there's 
I don't know. It's it's annoying that I feel like we're on an island when it comes to this movie. Because I really do feel that way. I mean, there's a couple people that like it here and there. Uh, I think there's another podcast that had it in its best of the decade that you were saying. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh But it's few and far between. Uh, Gone Girl is is phenomenal. You you know, uh, Carrie Coon, you might hold off on that uh becoming a big thing until the summer she's in the ghostbusters film and she's a lead and nobody recognized right. her in avengers infinity war so well, and we've picked like the chick from the uh the happy death day movies jessica roth oh, you know i i'm surprised she's not bigger what i think we're getting right and maybe we're a little late and we'll get to it probably number one <laughs> is uh oh, i forgot her name florence, uh, florence Pugh. Pugh. she's gonna be huge yeah, she's got a big old movie coming up in may <laughs> and she had the best year 2019 as far as i'm concerned no but doubt about that number two number two the big sick yeah is my number two uh camille nanjiani and emily gordon and uh just what a wonderful movie <laughs> I mean, it's just so romantic and and smart and funny and sad. Uh, Ray Romano and Holly Hunter are incredible. The the real conversations that they get down to uh, over the time while she's uh, out, while she's you know unconscious, <laughs> those moments are just so beautiful. <laughs> just Ray Romano trying to be friendly doesn't know how. You're just so awkward. It's just full dad mode. Holly Hunter's just a bitch. She just does not go. She's not going to talk to this guy. And he just he hangs in there and he wins him over. And it's just it's so lovely. It just perfectly written. Uh, just deeply felt. You know these. Obviously they lived this, so it's extraordinarily deeply felt for them. But they to be able to tell that story and help other people feel what you were feeling in that. That just tells you just how brilliant this movie is. And how many times does a movie try to have too many stories running at the same time and have it fall apart and not work and not tie everything up? This one, it just it, it does it remarkably and. I'll be honest. I think I got scared to move it up higher. I don't know why I'm scared. Uh, I, I mean, Arrival, Hereditary, Social Network. I mean, Gone Girl. They're all right there. Uh, I'm glad that it's this high on your list. That makes me feel better about you know where I feel with this movie. I I just really love it. And at some point, this is going to hurt the podcast because I'm pretty sure our top six are just <laughs> rearranged between the two of us. <laughs> and now that Josh is gone. <laughs> yeah, there's... Uh, there is that. There is that. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Number one? I'm number ready one. for it. Cloud Atlas. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Hey, here's the thing. Before you go... In your defense, I think Trio Life and Cloud Atlas are a lot alike. Oh yeah, and I I'm okay with I I'm at least are consistent. He's not. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You don't like Cloud Atlas. I, I hate Cloud Atlas. The, the structure of of Tree of Life and the filmmaking of Tree of Life, I can't argue that it's not superior because it it is. And uh, Tree of Life is more of a it, it resembles more of a dream state than cloud atlas but cloud atlas is still like a dream to me um the music of it the the images that we see the odd connections that that people have and if gosh you had mentioned if you go into tree of life with the wrong um viewpoint wrong attitude you've had a bad day or whatever you're not going to sit through tree of life and come away with it feeling wonderful 
Uh, I definitely came to Cloud Atlas at the right time. I didn't see it in the theater, which I badly tried to. There were like three different times I tried to see it and something came up. I didn't get to it. Uh, and then when I finally got home with it and it was just, it was just me watching it and I got to be, spend time with it and be very personal with it. And I connected with it in a way that I haven't connected with any other film. And I recognize that we're talking about the Wachowskis here and, and Tom Tyker. Uh, no, not master filmmakers, but they do make a style of film that I'm interested in. And, and so I've connected to it on a, on a deeper level style wise, as well as, uh, own thoughts that I've had over time, dreams that have been similar, not, not the whole movie and not like cannibalism and, uh, (laughs) people being fed themselves or whatever. That's not happening in my dreams, but Oh, it's just gory enough to remind you that you're watching a rated R movie. And, but I think it, it swings hard. And if there's one thing about me on this show, (laughs) criticisms abound. I know them very well. It's that I will swing hard and I appreciate films that swing hard. Well, that's the thing I love about you is like, even like interstellar is we all recognize the story kind of as flawed, but you know what you like in it. And you, you know, we, there's been so many movies, Man on Fire, that you just grab onto a certain part of it that was so, that they do great. And that, for me, that's what just takes me out of it and pisses me off. It's yeah. like, because Interstellar was great. And then it was just like, what the fuck? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm reminded of the, of the uh, famed question, why don't they make the whole, mo- the whole plane out of the black box? <laughs> <laughs> but that's the, what. You know, we're all sitting here walking the fine line. Like, we're talking about Hereditary. We're trying not to insult you. When you're talking about Tree of Life, you're trying not to insult me. And Claude Atlas, you're not. Like, when I watch, like, I feel like when I watch Tree of Life, I feel like I got it. I don't feel like I'm, you know, when people go, well, you just didn't understand. I feel like I understand. I just, it was, I was, I found it eye rolling. And I'll admit 100% it's mindset. I went into it with, it's not really the movie for me. I, you know, if, David Lynch does it and he's going to do it dark and fucked up then I'm going to be more into it. <laughs> Cloud Atlas and this to me they were very I I got it, both of them I was just it's not for me and I'm oh I don't think it's a matter of bad filmmaking I do think it's a bad money decision. Oh god yes. <laughs> <laughs> it lost money. <laughs> but at the same time it's frustrating that you can't be totally artistic with I mean I understand why you can't be it's you know it's that balance but you know you should be able to tell your story and i don't know it's i don't know it's that yeah the the weird thing about clad atlas is that if I, I, the people that i've met that like it it's like their favorite movie like like me and so i feel a, a bit of a kinship and whatever that might be whatever that means i haven't figured out yet but what you say about what I like about movies and I, I kind of just decide what I like about them and kind of leave everything else out all the time, but there are certain movies, right? That is true. And a smarter person would call that projection. I think (laughs) like my wife will say, yeah, you're projecting something upon this. And I'm like, no, I'm not in defense, knowing absolutely that she's right. But the point of the podcast isn't to just be like, here's what Sean and I like and fuck you all. (laughs) It's to, bring different perspectives like like it bugs me that we can't bring a super super fan on here and you know have someone defend that because there, there is an audience for that there and it's about celebrating movies not so much tearing apart and it's fun to tear them apart at certain times uh but 
I don't know. I, I love that you love Cloud Atlas, and I'm glad you kept it at number one. And uh, it's not a bad movie. It's not. It's definitely in its own lane, and that's really what a lot of these movies are. And my number one's in its own lane, I'm sure. It's <laughs> yours is the same thing. I know what's happening here. <laughs> but I'm telling you, watch Midsummer and call it a movie. You know what I'm saying? And probably Cloud Atlas, call it a movie. It's, you know, that's why you, you either love it or hate it. And, uh, Midsummer obviously is our number one movie. Yeah, it, absolutely. And look at where it's been talking about with the Oscar buzz. It's not even being mentioned. No. Look at its rating. It's like six on IMDb. It, it's, you know, it, it's, I, I don't know. I wish you could have saw it in a theater because I do think it's a different experience, but I do still think you'll like it because it's not, you don't need to know where it's going. And this one is not, uh, there's no, you can't tie back to the Exorcist or Rosemary, Rosemary's Baby or anything. It's its own thing, and it's such a work of art from frame one to the last frame of the movie. Uh, it's gonna make me want to like everything Florence Pugh does going forward, even if it sucks. I'm gonna kind of be like, well, it's not that bad. She's in it. She's good. You know, it's <laughs> it is a. It is if you have the word masterpiece does not I mean this yeah it's I, transcendent I, uh, there it really is and uh, Ari Aster is just the the artist of this moment for me he's just the way he he manipulates you and br- draws you in and shocks you and then s- drops you back down it is like it's almost it's like music it's like uh, experiencing. Uh, a concept album, <laughs> almost in the way it just it it lit it it's it takes you in and, and sets you up and then knocks you down hard with something and then br- lets you breathe for a moment and then takes your breath away <laughs> and then lets you breathe again. It's just he's so physically in control. This movie acts upon you in such a, 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 a such a way that it's just it's an experience. It's a not 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 unlike a roller coaster ride, but uh, far better, <laughs> I would say. Well, I'll say this: when uh, Sean saw it before I did, and I think he just kind of texted me, "Oh my god, I don't," <laughs> you know, and I nothing really specific. And then I went and saw it, and then I'm texting him like, "I kind of feel drunk," and he's like, "So did I." <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm you know I'm at I'm getting gas. He's like, "I went and got gas afterwards." And so then I started playing this album from this band called Coven. I'm like, I don't know why. I just started playing this album, Witchcraft by Coven. And Sean's like, okay. And he puts it on. It's like, holy shit. <laughs> and we were like, like probably three days apart, too. It wasn't even, it was just kind of weird. Yeah. Now, I don't think you'll have the same due to the, I think the theater matters. Because right. it's just the screen doesn't stop moving. And it is intoxicating. I watched it again, and it's still fantastic. But it's it's still it is just a work of art, and when you get to share that experience the way we did too, and then we also brought Zach into who had his own little a little different, but still, and even cousin Jeff. Oh yeah, uh, it it just like when you can share those experiences like we did with Gone Girl or Batman and versus Superman. Even it, it's it, it's just it's more fun, and that'll forever elevate Midsummer, and I. Like it, I almost feel like it's going to ruin the podcast because <laughs> it took until Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for me to even like a movie. And I feel like Sean's getting, you know, he got less cynical, but it's starting to make him cynical. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, 
that and Driving Miss Daisy, uh, kind of a combination of the two. Yeah, that did break me. I'm it's, so afraid of coming on for Dances with Wolves. <laughs> but it's just, and it's not, you, you know, you sit there listening to Martin Scorsese talk about, you know, cinema versus the Marvel movies. And he's right, but he's wrong. But he's still, when we looked at our top 10, I, I had The Joker and you had Little Women. Those are the only two previous IPs that existed. And Little Women's fantastic, by the way. You should go see it. That's what I heard. Uh, it's There is stuff out there that people just aren't going to. And if they're going to it, it's not for them. You know, it's more for guys like us that are more movie buffs. And some are going to hit, like, cloud, like, you know, whatever. And some are going to miss, you know, for us. You know, Cloud Atlas is a perfect example. Midsummer is a perfect These are bold moves that are movies that are just just artistic as fuck you know for a lack of a art you know smart way of saying it uh i don't know i i'm excited to hear what you think about it i wish you could have seen it in the theater uh i hope you still i hope it still works though because when i do see it i i is sitting close or or having the sound up a very high and important measure for you guys I mean, if you, the closer you can make it to the theater the better uh, make it look like a yeah. theater uh, weed comes legal in a week. <laughs> I was I was seriously going to ask you when you said that you were drunk, would it help to be under the influence? <laughs> I watched it really tired, and that was kind of fun. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a work of art, so it's not necessarily going to hit. It may or may not, and I understand. And I'm starting to get that now. When it's a total work of art, it, it hits some and it misses others. Yeah. Uh, and this is that, so I can't promise you it will. Uh, but you know, you, this, you're not going to know what you're in for, you know. And part of that's what's awesome. Hereditary does go a route you've seen before. I guess you could argue this does, but you would—I don't know. Oh man, uh, it's was, hard to. <laughs> I was in a—I think I was in a, like a three or four month coma after this movie. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I, I know I liked things after this, but uh, I honestly like it was three or four months where I was just just dreaming of Midsummer and kind of wanting to see it again, and then seeing it again, and then seeing the director's cut, and then like, just wanting to experience it over and over again. I've seen it five, six times now. I can't even recall how many times, but the, that first time was just incredible. Um, and I was I walked out of the theater, Josh, and I was just muttering to myself about what I'd just seen in the final couple minutes, just over and over again, out loud to myself, just ignoring. I couldn't even notice anybody around me, just oh, just muttering to myself what I'd just seen because I was just trying to process the how bold and odd and 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 indelible this image was that that Ari Aster had created, and I. Yeah, I, I I woke up at the gas station getting gas. Like I sort of kind of started to come out of it uh, for for a moment, and I had to message Bob to tell him what I'd seen. Um, and yeah, he was, he it was, was very vague what he messaged. So I mean, we just happened to follow the same route home. <laughs> <laughs> but more than anything, what it did is make me crave something original, and we got that at the end of the year. I mean, uncut gems, lighthouse. Uh, Waves, Little Women. Even yeah. though that's not previous IP, what Greta Gerwig did was original. Uh, it's that's that's what I've been wanting. That's what's been frustrating me with the Avenger movies. As much as I like some of them, don't like others. It's these type of movies that 
Whether you like them or not, that's what we want. I think all of us want that. I'll take if someone tried Cloud Atlas again. I don't give a shit. I'm gonna hate something, but at least give me that original idea instead of Avengers 15 or Star Wars 87 or even fucking Creed 3. And as much as I like those, I want this. Creed's not on my list. I love Creed, but this is what I want. And I don't know. I'm with you. I like the thought of having a challenge. Um, You guys have hyped it up beyond belief, right? So it's the best film of the decade. Well, Jesus, let me get to it tonight, right? (laughs) But I... I like the idea of keeping an open mind, uh, knowing that I wasn't as crazy yeah, about his previous that. film. Um, is, is Jack Rayner the guy? Yeah, Jack Rayner. Okay, and I like him a lot from his uh, role in Sing Street, and I think that's really the only thing that I've seen. He's like Seth Rogen, but from Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm looking forward to it, that's for sure, especially oh, with the trailer that yeah. I saw. I'll try and keep your opinions in the back of my mind, but I I like the challenge of it. But, I mean, just think about it. I, I, I Forget the hype. Just remember, it could be our Cloud Atlas where you hate it, and we, but it's its its own original thing. And try not to even worry about what it is. Because I'll admit, like, Uncut Gems, I love that movie, but I knew what it was three months before I saw it, and it, it just... Get Out too. it's... I didn't see it opening weekend, and it was just like it, I didn't get that experience the way that like Sean got to see it way before I did, and I, it's still amazing. But it's all of a sudden, it's not number one, not sure. number two, it's number six or whatever. Uh, so I don't know. I think you'll enjoy it for what it is. A twenty four top tens, real quick. Uh, I did. I, th- I just wanted. To, I thought we'd do some honorable oh, mentions, mentions first for because uh, I did want to say <laughs> just to. Uh, just to be true to the podcast and to, of course, uh, aggravate uh, many people that uh, Batman versus Superman is an honorable mention for this show just because we all liked it and nobody else did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it's so easy to be or even beyond that last Jedi. Uh, we all liked that one, too. And no one else did. Uh, <laughs> even me. So there's that, too. That's, you know, people trying to be an original with previous ips and i think i'll still like movies you know black panther or whatever but just do something cool with it yeah uh honorable mentions obviously i know people know how much i love les mis but also uh sorry to bother you this is an incredible movie uh ladybird obviously gonna come later (laughs) (laughs) under the skin it's another one for us silver linings playbook Mm -hmm. love that movie bradley cooper again big fan big fan black swan uh, or very early in the decade. Uh, Green Room, uh, yeah. another one. Uh, we'll talk about that again in a moment. Columbus is a movie that nobody saw that only I love with uh, John Cho and Haley Lee Richardson that uh, everybody needs to check out. And uh, You Were Never Really Here, which is, I think, for me, the, the best uh, Joaquin Phoenix performance. And for honorable mentions, it, are you done with yours? Yeah, go ahead. Your mentions? Okay. Um, I had safety not guaranteed uh, yeah, from 2012. Uh, that was hard to leave off of the list. Um, Chef was something that was hard to leave off the list because of the, what are the most rewatchability factor <laughs> on that yeah. one. Absolutely. Um, Before Midnight, uh, Inherent Vice, The Descendants, which is in my top 100. Uh, that one sticks with me for how, how powerful. It, it hit me at the right time, man. Um 
and teeny little ones that I think I know only I liked on the show, really, which is Wish I Was Here and Pete's Dragon. I know you were okay with Wish I Was Here at the time, but those two were really special for me. And I'll, I mean, I think Mad Max Fury Road was the best action movie of the decade. Uh, I loved Creed. What they did with that was pretty impressive, taking our destroyed IP and bringing it back and making it work. I even, I think Hateful, Hateful Eight gets better with age. I, I we didn't love it at the time. We liked it, but we, I it really has moved up my list of Tarantino movies. The Witch. We'll get to that later. Uh, Tully, Mandy. You know, I don't know. We've taught American Sniper. That was a lot of fun. And Birdman. That's, that was a great movie oh, too. Yeah. Love Birdman. Uh, Got to mention, of course, Jordan Peele and Us and Get Out. Both would be Toy games. Story Three. Yeah. My favorite Toy Story movie. <laughs> but uh, I, I actually, if I were going further down my rankings, I actually ranked Us higher than Get Out. I think Us I is agree. even better than Get Out. And uh, I think uh, Jordan Peele's actually going to make something even better than that in the future. I, I think so, too. Yeah, Us is my number two movie of the year. <clears throat> Us was awesome. Uh, A24. Obviously, a, we've talked mostly. We've already talked about most of these movies. Let's but, not mention the movies we talked about. Oh, hey, there you Does go. Does that make it uh, that takes, harder? That takes two off of my list. It takes two off my list as well. <laughs> so I'll go to number 12. Uh, anything you need to cross off, Josh? <laughs> no, actually. My, my top 10 didn't have any A24 in it. All right, so what's your number 10 A24? The Witch. <clears throat> Scary as hell. What I envision... Midsummer will end up like in that just the scenario of people in a field and in circles and worshiping <laughs> something maybe and uh, you know being out of left field and it end up being real. Uh, the idea of the witch is what um, goes into my head when I think of Midsummer. I love the witch. Uh, I'll get to it later, but there's an actual witch at the end. I mean, they that's <laughs> fucked up how he does that. Oh, which is what I love so much about Hereditary. Uh, uncut Gems. I don't know why I have it so fucking low. Uh, but it is, like I said, it is relentless. And, I mean, I really think you're cutting, you're drawing, you know, it's you're splitting straws here at this point. Uh, but Uncut Gems is phenomenal. Yeah, right. uh, absolutely. Uh, I've got to say, uh, let's see, Under the Skin would be my number 10. Uh, Scarlett Johansson. Very unique, very strange film uh, made made on a unique budget and uh, in almost a guerrilla fashion uh, with just such a bold and unique idea and a visual look. And it's weird and scary. The music is amazing. And Scarlett Johansson is just so charismatic. You can't take your eyes off of her. And uh, just really, it's uh, an incredible performance. I'll get to it later. Yeah, as will I. <laughs> uh, number nine for me is the Florida Project. I th- think about the kids and the performances that they had in that movie, and how good Willem Dafoe is. I'm not always drawn to him, but how real that film felt, and how it represented a portion of the population that doesn't always get represented: uh, the poor. <laughs> will you wear a Willem Dafoe shirt we're making? <laughs> His confusing penis. Confusingly large penis. You don't understand what Jeff drew is ridiculous, and it went from not being made to okay, we're making this. Okay, well, I'm curious to see it, of course. If nothing else would be a good cup or notebook. <laughs> oh, interesting. Well, I mean, you're not gonna wear the shirt in public. Let's be honest. 
Oh, I don't <laughs> know. I don't have it, any shame. It is a great design. That he, I mean, I, I fell in love with it. Anyway, Florida Project. I love that movie. It would it was actually 11. Uh, Enemy. That was my number 10. And part of it is because Sean discovered it and I didn't. Uh, it's... He said, "Go see this movie. It was amazing. That last second, you'll never, you won't even know how to react." And and he was right. And then we did the <laughs> podcast, and we 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 really need to re-release the podcast. Yeah. Really, is what it comes down to. But it was it was to the point where it's lost a little bit of its luster for me uh, in terms of the top ten. Plus, a twenty four doesn't fuck up. Uh, so I, you really can't judge any of our lists wrong. <laughs> uh, but that's where I'm at. What do you got for number nine? Uh, Cresha. I've got Cresha at number nine. Uh, Cresha Fairchild, of course, was a guest on this show. And it's Trey Edward Schultz, who's a, an absolute uh, genius, just a, an amazing director. Uh, uh, you know, I didn't love It Comes at Night, but uh, this movie is just, it's so bold and hypnotic and, uh, it, it it's so real. I mean, this character, Kreisha, she she walks into a room and the temperature changes. You know, it's like, and she's just, just such an amazing character. The way he directs her, it's not even about like she's not a supernatural villain, but she almost feels that way. She carries the weight of that when she walks into a room, and uh, to to capture that with just pure direction is fantastic. It's just such an amazing talent. And let's be clear, when you said you weren't crazy about It Comes at Night, you weren't as crazy as that as you were Cresha. Yeah. <laughs> that was still a phenomenal movie. Uh, the way he directs is, and we're going to get to it later, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but Cresha, I don't have it on my list because, I mean, you can't pick a wrong 10. Uh, but I love, that was a fun podcast, and that movie... You just—it was like a Thanksgiving dinner that you felt like something was going to go wrong the entire time by the way he shot it. It just felt like a horror movie, and it wasn't. And that—that that was remarkable in and of itself. My number eight is Moonlight. I won Best Picture, obviously, but I like the the unique again a voice of, of a part of the population that is not represented well on screen. And the different emotions and feelings that were alien to me, but I definitely learned more about it. And on top of that, the emotion behind it was was familiar. Uh, it's beautifully shot by Barry Jenkins is, as well. Uh, the performances by three different actors to portray, portray one character. And Mahershala Ali is incredible in this movie. It, it makes me very happy to think that he's going to be a star. Oh yeah. The introduction know? the introduction of him alone makes this movie phenomenal. Yeah. Uh but yeah, Moonlight, Best Picture, whatever year that was last year. Twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen. Yeah, uh, I guess it's my turn, huh? Under the skin. Uh love that movie. I love the subtleness of it. I love you know, I remember one of your complaints was some of the long shots, but I loved th- I loved the long shots because I thought it was more it just added the, to the tension. I think uh, one, the road trip that went with it, uh, that added to it. And because Sean had already discovered Enemy, this is kind of us discovering yeah. it together. <laughs> and uh, I'll always have it a step above Enemy because of that very reason. But and then the idea that a lot of the people—I mean, it was literally Scarlett Johansson pulling over and grabbing random guys and having these. <laughs> They weren't actors, uh, which Uncut Gems too. No actors. Not all of them were actors. Uh, I 
I thought Under the Skin was phenomenal. Uh, my list, uh, my number nine is mid '90s. Uh, Jonah Hill's directed movie uh, <coughs> about uh, little kids in the '90s and skateboarding, and uh, you know, just the this random collection of characters who are so wonderfully and brilliantly realized. It's a movie that uh, has a lot of reality to it, and it's also just this wonderful a piece of direction that is just so subtle and so uh, observational. And uh, it, it feels like you're in conversation with this movie, talking about memories of your own life. And uh, for Jonah Hill as a first time director to really uh, capture that and, and make it feel so authentic is uh, definitely a sign of, of his talent. And uh, one that I can't wait to see further down the road. Are we on seven? I was my number nine, nine, I thought. I think that was your eight. Was it? Oh, wait, maybe it was. Yeah. Sorry. So we're on seven now. Seven is first reformed for me. Ethan Hawke has never been better. The story got more intense and more intense as it went along. It was like a downward spiral into psychosis. And then, yeah, he really went there at the end. And uh, that kind of bold stroke stuck with me. And it the thought of this one gets better with me as it stays in my head. And it turns out that last year, the, the top three, uh, I mean, for crying out loud, it, it was black Klansman and first reformed and a star is born. That's, uh, possibly the best top three of any that I have. And you show. didn't like hereditary. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's my top four. Uh, first reformed, same for me. Uh, number seven. Uh, and I think we had two polar opposite opinions of the ending and that's how great this movie is. Uh, I, it was just so perfect, so well made. Um, I love it. What do you got? I have the farewell, uh, Aquafina, just this year, uh, likely an Oscar nominee, uh, telling a story that is uh, very unique uh, in her uh, culture in a very unique way. It's about a movie about uh, death, about a woman who doesn't know that she's dying, and her family are going to try not to tell her that she is and uh, going to visit her and try and have this time with her where she doesn't realize what's going on. And Aquafina dealing with the, the moral quandary of having inf- having this information and holding it from someone she, she loves so deeply. And it's such a, a complex and, and lovely story. It's got a lot of dark humor to it, but also a lot of genuine humor and a lot of warmth and uh, love and family. And it's exceptional. What a wonder, wonderful movie. And certainly Aquafina is an actress that I, I certainly didn't expect to see this type of uh, performance from. But it's also really neat to the opening your eyes to other cultures and the way they view things. This one captured that better than most do. Uh, just go if you have a chance to see it, even if you're not into that type of movie, it's going to be really watchable and you're going to enjoy it quite a bit. And it's really good. What do you got next, Josh? I have Cresha, and you guys pretty much summed it up well. But I, I felt so proud about that particular moment in time for this show and actually speaking with this i'm still i get starstruck pretty easily and i know we weren't talking to a movie star per se but the lead of the film I, that's the best i've gotten you know? <laughs> um i mean i did interview kurt russell's nephew or whatnot yeah, for true. the baseball documentary but beyond that um this movie to me was just it was tense all the time and the atmosphere of it 
is the kind of thing that I just, I want to wrap myself around. And even though It Comes at Night was slightly disappointing to me because of the, the lack of payoff, that one had an atmosphere that was oppressive too. And I, oh, I love that kind of thing. It was a lot like Cretia, except for it was a horror movie, which made it lesser. Uh, which was disappointing, but wait till you see Waves. <laughs> <That's all> I <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I love Krisha off my list largely because I wanted to talk about other A24 movies. I knew it would be on at least one of your lists, uh, but phenomenal. Uh, the Disaster Artist is what I had next. Uh, I've gotten this new appreciation for The Room in more than just a bad movie. Uh, I've read the book. I like that. Even when, like last week, when. Sean compared cats to that, and I kind of shot back, and Sean got pissed off at me. <laughs> it was because I don't think the room's bad. I think it is a, I, I I think it's a work of art that was misguided, and I, to me, the I don't know. It's just there's so much there that that's why it's lived on as long as it has. It's not just simply that it's bad, uh, and that's why a book was made and then a movie was made, and I I just think. I just have this appreciation for it that I, anytime someone calls it a bad movie that's so bad it's good, I have to jump in and be like, no, it's not. It's more than that. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> you will acknowledge, though, that, that the perception of that film is is where I'm coming from, and, and people see oh, it. Oh, I know. I, okay. I, it's just one of those things where you know how you have an opinion, you just can't keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Yeah. So going forward, <laughs> when you hear me defend the room, just know that's what I'm doing. Uh, my next one is the witch. Uh, Robert Eggers is a, is a, is really amazing, and uh, that there's just a there's a death very early in this movie that you're like that doesn't happen in movies. They don't do that in movies, and then he does it. There's like okay, now we're here. Well, the movie started. I'm I'm in. What's what's next? And he just keeps finding a way to uh, up the ante over and over and over again. I actually like this one even more than I like uh, the lighthouse, which I really like a lot. But I think this is actually uh, better than the lighthouse. I agree completely. Is it the same director? Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I, to me, in my opinion, you know how you have the, was it Inaritu, uh, Del Toro, and whoever the other guy is, Quaron. You have those three that kind of always get put together. I yeah. think Eggers, uh, Tredward Schultz, and Ari Aster are always going to be the, I think they're going to become oh, a trio yeah. of. Yeah, absolutely. I'm telling you right now, between, I the Lighthouse is great too that's actually my next one we'll get to it later <laughs> on, i love the witch is the lighthouse also is the willem defoe robert pattinson yes. one where we got another t-shirt coming off all right movie. <laughs> batman versus jesus yes okay <laughs> see so, i listen <laughs> watch the lighthouse a couple times uh one which just thinking about batman and jesus <laughs> i'm telling you it works uh where are you at i'm at number five which is eighth grade um Partly because of the delightful coming of age story and the honest way in which this uh, eighth grade girl is portrayed, but also because of the surprise of it. I I do not like Bo Burnham as a comedian (laughs) at all. He steps on all of my last nerves and then just like smushes them into the ground. But him as a director and writer, if he can make crap like this all the time, like... That's good stuff right there. That's, I, this is a dangerous thing to say, I think here, (laughs) but he reminds me of 
the way that I felt about Zach Braff when he was making Garden State. It's kind of like from out of nowhere, he created this really poignant thing. And that's the comparison that I'm making. Not that those two are the same person, but... And then out of nowhere, the character of Josh Hamilton playing her dad, guy that I haven't seen since With Honors in 94, <laughs> uh, the, the moment around the fireplace that those two have towards the end of the film is one of the absolute strangest, funniest, coolest, deepest, uh, sweetest moments I've ever seen. You said with honors, like anybody knows what that is. Besides <laughs> me and Sean. <laughs> I actually own that movie. I like it. Well, it's no, not understand. good. but I, you know. I know what you're talking you're, about. But You're in the room with the only other person who could probably name another Josh Hamilton movie. So there you go. I thought you were talking about the baseball player. <laughs> you're probably right. Well, I, my former boss's name is also that, and he's a massive douchebag. So, so is the baseball player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen eighth grade, and... Uh, the one time my family brought it home to rent, we were recording down here, so I didn't get to see it. <laughs> so uh, hopefully someday I do get the chance. I will go at the lighthouse. Uh, probably, I mean, because of the Batman Jesus thing that, I mean, I'm getting contacted by listeners about it, so that's also adding to it. Uh, it was a fun movie. It was an impressive movie. Uh, I think The Witch is better, but I think this is more impressive. At the same, I don't know if that makes sense. This one could have been screened in the 1930s, but it works in 2019. It is just really weird how he made this movie work. And, you know, maybe it's... There's no wrong way to look at it either. He's crazy. He's not crazy. Willem's crazy. He's not. It, it doesn't matter. It, it just... It's fun and it works. And... Because of that, you could watch it multiple times with multiple perspectives, and it's just a fun movie. And it's just a really impressive outing, as far as I'm concerned, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, as a piece of direction, it's pretty incredible. And the the black and white uh, photography adds so much to the authenticity of the feel. It does feel like a a movie out of time, and it sets it it apart from every other movie out there being in, in black and white. And there's a lot of really stunning imagery yeah. and dialogue even in this movie that uh, just kind of you're kind of you're kind of gripping your seat the entire time going because you have no idea where this is headed, no clue, and it's and it's headed to a place that isn't really all that like overstated. It's uh, <laughs> but but it works. It, it, it all works and it's unpredictable and exciting and weird. What do you got next? Uh, my number four is under the skin. Right, what about him? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Josh. I completely, yeah. Uh, my number five is Uncut Gems uh, with Adam Sandler's uh, best performance ever. Uh, just Ever. Ever. <laughs> unquestionably. <laughs> this is no, there has not been a better Sandler than this. Uh, Howard is, a, is an indelible character. He's an uh, action movie in the human form. He just never stops this whirling dervish of energy and life and vitality and uh, excitement and the character just drives this amazing story about sports gambling and diamonds and this guy who can't just he just can't rest he's just got this this thing in him that he will just not allow himself to slow down for a second uh <laughs> one of the first things you see of him is he's having a three-way like <laughs> this guy's life just does not pause for a moment and and he's finding new ways to amp up the the excitement while also you know 
having real life, you know, at his heels at all at, at every at every moment, and you know, having to deal with kids' plays, but also having you know murderers coming to the, to the play to possibly take him out. Like he's just all these things are happening to him, and it's happening all at once, and he's making them happen through his act through his actions. And I just love this movie. It's just it's relentless. It's un- unstoppable. And uh, the ending just arrives, and it's just you're punched right in the face, and you're knocked back in your seat, and it's over. What? What? <laughs> right. Yeah. It. It is. I am shocked that he's not nominated for every award there is. That kind of baffles my mind. I know Joaquin Phoenix was great. He's better. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, what's better mean? Right. But right. He should be in the conversation uh, across the board, and it's shocking that he's not. It's uh, it's unquestionable to me. This is the best performance by an actor this year. I agree completely. I think it makes more sense to say that, I mean, despite, I haven't seen it, obviously, but is it more of a stretch to say Joaquin Phoenix was great or Adam Sandler was great? Well, that's the thing. You have the story to go with it because it's Adam Sandler, and yeah. that's what's shocking to me. That I mean, the Oscars haven't come out yet, but did he get a Golden Globe now? I don't know. He was left off of different awards, which shocked me, but it doesn't really matter. But what do you got for number four, Josh? Under the skin. Uh, not only the experience uh, of the show, but people leaving the theater because they were grossed out or didn't get it or had no idea what they were doing. Um, but in particular, how this film genuinely terrified me. I really had no idea what was coming a few times, and to see what I saw... Uh, it, it was a mind fuck. That's the best way to explain it. And yes, there were some pregnant pauses to me in this movie, but I, I almost don't care anymore, honestly. <laughs> um, the thought of going back to it is exciting to me. Uh, Johan Johansson with that score, as you Ooh. mentioned earlier. Yeah. The late, great Johan Johansson. Uh. Oh. Anyways. No, I love that movie. Uh, my number four is The Witch. Uh, again, this movie about a witch where you think it's, you know, it's too artistic that they're not going to have a witch in it, and sure enough, they do. I don't know. Just, I don't know. It's kind of hereditary light for me. It's that, and that's not an insult by any means because I think I have hold hereditary in a really high regard. Uh, but I just, it's. A phenomenal movie, and I think he's a phenomenal director, and we've all talked about it, so I don't really have anything else to say about The Witch. <laughs> uh, my next one is Waves. That's uh, Trey Edward Schultz uh, uh, directing this uh, you know, two-part story, essentially, that has the best scene of 2019 in it, uh, esteemed between uh, Sterling K. Brown and his daughter that is just... It is uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, I don't, Josh, you've, everybody's had it, and I'm curious about your feelings on this. A moment where an adult, for the first time in your life, got real with you and like brought you up to their level emotionally. Or yeah. brought themselves down to your yeah. level. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay, that never happened, it seems. But, but you know what I mean? Where it's just all of a sudden you realize, oh my God, they're idiots, they're idiots too. Or whatever, you know, for lack of a better phrase. But Seeing, the, yeah. seeing that strength drain from somebody who's so strong right in front of you for the first time. Yeah. I, I, wow, that is, that's a thing. And he captures that moment in this movie, you know, and I've never seen it quite quite like that before. It was, it's, it's amazing and uh the whole movie is amazing you know something happens about the midway point that uh you don't think you just don't even you can't even imagine it's just the level of 
tragedy and trauma, and then it goes off on this whole story, whole other story that is uh, mirroring the previous story, but but uh, its own thing, and and with with equal with equally brilliant themes. Uh, it's a masterful piece of direction. Uh, you know, he, he, Schultz has set you up for how amazing and a direct director he is, and uh, you're just kind of blown away by the things that he captures, the images that he captures. How did he even get a couple of these shots? Right. We're still kind of trying to figure out how he shot some of this stuff in a car that is just, it's one of the most amazing shots I've ever seen. Uh, this movie's amazing. Uh, it gets better the more time I spend with it. And yeah, I love Waves. Uh, I I did watch the trailer for Waves and it was an impressive trailer. For... But you have no idea what it's about, do you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, if We're anything, the it looked... only human beings on the planet talking about this movie. Yeah, it, to me, it actually resembled more of an Alexander Payne movie or something than something from Trey Edward Schultz because of the two projects that he did before. When you see it, it makes sense. Uh, but I'll get to it later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're at number three now? Number three. Yeah, uh, the Disaster Artist. Also for the surprise factor, but um, gosh, it, it goes even back to not just um, Stars Born and Once, but a movie like Begin Again, where you see people trying so hard to bring their creation to life. And I this movie understands the spirit of that in, in a particular way. Not It's not that it wasn't hard or anything like that. It's just examining how different some people go about making art. And it, it appreciated everyone involved with the project to a certain extent, and showing him a bit honestly, but it, it all seems authentic to me, regardless of the personalities of the people involved, or um, maybe they shot something that was kind of nonsense or sexist or whatever the case may be. It, it just it was all authentic and real and honest right there. And, and this movie captures that spirit and James Franco didn't piss me off this time. So. <laughs> Nor did Seth Rogen <laughs> or Dave Franco. <laughs> yeah. There's like a triumvirate of people. I generally hate that made this movie. Well, I just hate him because he's married to Alison Brie. <laughs> <laughs> it's so watchable. This movie, you can watch this a uh, hundred times and still enjoy it every time. Yeah, I mean, I've already said what I have to say about it, but it's I it, it, I appreciate everything regarding this movie. Uh, I love it. Uh, my number three is Waves. Uh, same thing. I it, it it baffles my mind why this isn't like I get Midsummer why it's not. I don't understand why this isn't yeah. talked about as the best movie of the year. Uh, it is ridiculously well made, ridiculously original, and so powerful uh i I, like i said him robert eggers and uh ari aster are going to be the you know the next three great directors we're going to be talking about and i feel like only we're talking about it It (laughs) frustrates the hell out of me but they're and i don't think you're going to see them doing a star wars or an adventure movie they're going to keep doing stuff like this and ultimately they might get that recognition but Waves is ridiculously good, and I can't wait for you to see that. I think that's one you'll definitely like. Uh, go ahead, number three. Number three, Moonlight. Uh, you know, of course, uh, Barry Jenkins just taking you into a, a unique life, and doing so with uh, compassion and sensitivity, and 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 a deep amount of care, and 
telling this story in three different ways and three different time periods leading up to this moment at the end that is just so lovely. Two people connecting on a on a human and romantic level that you know they've denied themselves for so long, and that that's just so goddamn lovely. And the, he just draws you into it ever so slightly, and then gives you these jolts like that that brilliant tracking shot of the kid angry walking into the school you watch him walk through the door he's walking through the halls people he's ignoring people he's not looking at anybody around him he bursts through the door he grabs that chair and he whacks that guy over the back with it and that's that is an amazing piece of direction and and you're just you're with it you're in it and it's so cathartic and and necessary and and it just thrusts the movie into its next realm and it's just absolutely a, a brilliant piece of direction that will always stay with me yeah it's I mean, won the best picture, rightfully so, when it yeah. did. It's funny that uh, if Beale Street could talk, his follow-up film, I like that even more. Yeah. But the similarities between the two are the capturing characters at breaking points. And Regina King's moment in that yeah. movie comes to mind. She's trying just so damn hard, and the characters get some release <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Um, my number two is Ex Machina. Uh, I am reticent to say that it's the my favorite A24 movie for particular reasons, but it's science fiction. It's Oscar Isaac and uh, the breakout performance of Alicia Vikander, Vikander, whatever the case may be. And talking about artificial intelligence in a very difficult and particular way. And what does it mean to us? Uh, I'm reminded of uh, a quote from a movie that I can't think of right now, talking about smashing an anthill in Africa. Oh, it's contact. Oh, <laughs> and what would we feel about if we, if we smushed an, an anthill in Africa? Well, this is the same thing. Should we, could could we, should we, et cetera, et cetera. It asks smart questions and the weirdness of it too comes through. Oscar Isaac and his eccentricities in this movie are always something I'll remember. I absolutely love this movie. It didn't make my list. It was actually number 12, uh, but it's, I, I think they said at the time it was complicated, but too simple at the same time. And that I think that's the only thing that kind of holds me back on it in terms of again you're splitting hairs, uh, but I it's I Oscar Isaac really owns this movie and I love it. Yeah, he's a, he's amazing in that movie. My number two is Lady Bird. Uh, kind of similar to La La Land for you. This movie has no business being in my <laughs> anywhere near my wheelhouse, <laughs> but it shocked the hell out of me. And Greta Gerwig will forever be one of my favorite directors because of it. Uh, Saoirse Ronan will forever be loved because of it. Uh, this movie, I'm married to a woman that's both the daughter and the mother at the same time, and it it is such a perfect movie because of that. And I don't know, it just when you get caught off guard, that matters a little more. You know, it's easy for me to like a horror movie or something dark, but this came out a different direction and just knocked me on my ass and it similar to the big sick it it just really put me in a different spot and i love this movie 
My number two is Ladybird. <laughs> I just I'll echo exactly what you said. It's it's wonderful, and uh, Greta Gerwig is such a a smart director, and the the choices that she makes are are ingenious. And then you know her chemistry with Saoirse Ronan and and directing her and and bringing out of her what she wants is just magnificent. And she's such a wonderful avatar for her. She's just really uh, they seem to be on a wavelength that. Uh, is reminiscent of you know Scorsese and De Niro, <laughs> like that that level of connection between a director and an actor. They just uh, have that have that. They seem to evince that rhythm on screen, and uh, yeah, it's just just such an exciting and fun movie, and 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 wonderfully unique character, and and she's just so well performed. Yeah, number one. Number one is Enemy. Uh, it really. Nice for a twenty four, yeah, and and there's a particular reason for that. It, it's it's set up for me what I would expect out of a smaller independent film in terms of visuals, performance, music, um, twists of plot, and, and the weaving of a story together, so that you need to pay attention. It it, it held me uh, attention wise, and then at the end. There's such a bonkers moment that, I mean, it, it made me question whether I liked the movie, <laughs> whether or not I just saw what I saw made any sense, if it was a deleted scene that somehow got left in the movie, did I see a bad copy? All of those things went through my head, and it's so complicated. And then on top of it, you see the career of Villeneuve after this just keeps getting Elevating. better um it, it's almost like i felt like i was a part i feel a little hipstery about enemy is what i'm trying to say i didn't bring it to the show but at the same time i feel like i'm part of this little group that was championing something at the beginning you know Ugh. and i'm not capable of like since sean did it i'm not capable of doing what you're doing <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> which is way more healthy <laughs> Uh, but you're right. I mean, it's – and to see what he – like you said, he went and did a rival after this, and then he does Blade Runner. And as great as Blade Runner was, it was kind of a failure. They're going to let him do Dune, and it's, it's just – it's really um, – that's how good he is, and it makes you want to – I mean, to me, it could be him and Fincher and Ari Aster as the top three out there right now. I just worry that he's going <laughs> to – Make too many movies that don't make and money. There's another thing. Uh, Prisoners is a really good movie. Uh, yeah. Sicario. Forget about right. that one. And and that one is for me very watchable just for the filmmaking alone. Like I don't need the Mexican cartel stuff. But uh, about Enemy, one more thing. It, it's Jake Gyllenhaal giving two very different performances in the same movie that. To me, they could have won an award for either performance. <laughs> that is so unique that nothing else on this list really has for me. That is a, a remarkable trick to pull, to pull off those two characters, and, and they're so incredibly different. Yeah. My number one, and I i mean, if Sean has this number one, I'll be really shocked. I'll be, I'm hoping this is a, my own, but a uh, most violent year. Uh, I... I don't know. I just connected to this movie. You got Oscar Isaac. You got uh, Jessica Chastain. And uh, who is the other guy? Oh, my God. David Oyelowo. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I just I connected to this movie like, a sh- like I don't think a lot of people did. 
I it it was heartbreaking. It was frustrating, and I I don't know. I being in kind of in the business world and being an accountant, it really just he's wanting to do the right thing, and behind his back, his wife's doing the wrong thing the whole time, and now he has to make a decision where. And it just I could totally relate to what he was going through on a lesser extent, but it was just so. It was so real life, so frustrating, so I don't know. It just it really spoke to me, and I. That's why I think it elevates a little more because I feel like it's mine. <laughs> if that makes any sense. I didn't actually make my top ten. Though. Good. I love that movie, but Good. it's a wonderful film. Well, I love all of these. I mean, I have a yeah. top twenty-five. If I'm being <laughs> and that's you, leaving yeah. off probably another five that I right. loved as well, well. I mean, I just I'm doing a top ten list where I've got you know Midsummer, Hereditary, and Enemy off are off the list, so I had to move right. everything else up. Uh, and uh, that that means that Green Room is my number one. Uh, and uh, I just Green Room is bold and dangerous and scary. It's a better horror movie than most horror movies, and it's not even really necessarily a horror movie. Uh, Jeremy Solnier is a is a very uh, inc- very good director. He's just he's got he's got such a, an amazing touch to uh, delivering the violence of this movie in, in a very impactful way. Uh, it's not too gory, but it's gory enough that it's uh, that it's shocking and and gripping. And uh, the excitement of this movie, these wonderful characters that he creates with Anton Yelchin and Elias Shawkat and Imogen Poots, and that last image of the two of them <laughs> sitting together is just, oh, what a comic beat. Just yeah. brilliant. And uh, you've got uh, Sir Patrick Stewart with a, a, a great villain character. Oh, man, I, I love this movie. And I think if there's anybody who's going to break, who's going to join those uh, three directors we've been talking about as one of the as one of the greats, it's Solnier is right below them and, and has the chance, hopefully, if he doesn't get too distracted by TV, which he is right now. Um, to be to be among the great directors. Yeah, that was right off the list. Right off the bat, they established that no one is safe. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's phenomenal. Uh, going into the belly of a realistic beast. Yes. <laughs> I mean, all other movies we didn't talk about. Lock. I yeah, love that Locke's movie. A good movie. I know Sean wasn't crazy about, it, but I like climax a lot. Uh, I didn't see that one. Is that the Gaspar No yes. uh, disco or dancing thing? <laughs> it's just weird. <laughs> and there's no script. I mean, it's its own thing. And if nothing else, I'm sure Sean appreciates us an original piece of art. Yeah. Uh, Tusk, uh, the killing of a sacred deer. Uh, oh, yeah. Great just, movie. I don't uh, know. Spring a, Breakers. Spring Breakers, yeah. Uh, fantastic James Franco performance. Uh, weird piece of direction from Harmony Kareen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I'm uh, Mississippi Grind. I'm surprised you didn't bring that up. It is number eleven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, room, of course, the best picture. Right, that we had none of us had Room. <laughs> <laughs> did it win? Uh, I did win best picture. She won. She, she won. won. Yeah, uh, Brie Larson's incredible in that movie. Swiss Army Man is underrated. Fun. I love that movie. <laughs> I still haven't seen the Dick one that came out this year. <laughs> I know. Apparently. I still want to see that. I still want to see that one. Do you guys? I don't know if you ended up seeing this, Bob. Uh, Sean, I know you did. Slice, slice. Yeah, you remember that? Okay, That's terrific. Slice. With the uh, hilarious weird beats that that movie plays. Yeah, Common and Paul Shear and Zazie Beats. Yeah, <laughs> Chance the Rapper is it? Chance the Rapper. Yeah. <laughs> That's, was he like a werewolf? Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, that movie gets better. <laughs> Think about it. 
Oh, as long as uh, they keep going the route they're going, A24 is as good as it gets. You know, it's you know, I you know, you could look at Miramax back in the day, but they eventually went mainstream. A24 has been pretty consistent and that's what I love about them. You get, um, I saw a movie that, that I haven't had a chance to talk about yet called The Souvenir, which is uh, pretty incredible. I've seen that pop up on a lot of best of the year lists. It, it's really great. It's about drug addiction and uh, and a woman who's dealing with her boyfriend who has a, a pretty serious heroin addiction, but is also kind of holding himself together uh, well enough that she she's, finds it hard to get rid of him because he seems to be so holding it together all the time and it's really a fascinating movie because you really hate this guy and they still hold you to it they hold you to the screen and you can't take your eyes off of it uh last black man in san francisco that was awesome that was a great movie that just came out uh this year very gentle sweet funny story that's very odd and uh under the silver lake with uh, Andrew Garfield, we had issues with it, but if, for nothing else, it was a really original. Unique yeah. Movie. Oh, I forget who was the director on that one. We really liked his first movie. That uh, was uh, David Robert Mitchell. Oh, I'm. Oh, no, no, no. It, it's it, the director of It Follows. That's what I'm thinking of, and how. Uh, not necessarily. Uh, did we call it follows original or just kind of like? We liked it follows. Okay, I think a lot of people liked it better. Uh, he was the director of it follows. Yeah, yeah, and this is fine. There's issues we both had with it. It's but it's unique. It's yeah, very. I'll, unique. I'll take it. I want this type of. I, it's kind of a swing and a miss, but uh, I'll take it. You know, I, I think we would all agree. I mean, I, I think you'd probably call Tusk a swing and a miss. We'd all. Called different movies a swing and a miss. <laughs> Tusk but, was going very well for a while. But <laughs> I love Tusk. <laughs> but they're all they're all swinging, and that's what I you know when we talked about Star Wars last a couple weeks ago, it was very much it was just very. There's a lot of safe talk, and it's not. I'm not bunting, just, right? <laughs> it's like we'll just make sure we get a single. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that's what I. It's just bold, you know. We'll disagree on some of these, and. Uh, and that's good, but for the most part, and like I said, I had a list of 25 and left five off, including Spring Breakers, that I thought were phenomenal. So that's how great A24 has been. And yeah, in fact, in the last 10 years, I, my list went 22 deep, and I left a few off that I saw but didn't really care for. Um, what other studio has got 25, 22, whatever movies throughout this decade that you can I mean, say for sure? Now, what are we talking about? Like a seven year period, six year period? <laughs> they've done well, this? you could look at Sean and my top six, and I think we just rotated them <laughs> for the best of the decade, but our A24 list was completely different. Yeah. That's how great A24 yeah. is. Uh, and, you know, uh, it's you can say Florida Project, and I could say a m- most violent year or whatever. And, you get it, you know. It, it's I don't know. It's it was a, this has been a lot of fun. It's yeah, been a shitty day, and this has been a good ending <laughs> yeah. to that shitty day. Agreed. Well, thank you guys for doing this for me. <laughs> this has really improved my mood quite a bit. <laughs> Therapy for me, man. Like I get to stop shouting at walls, you know, when I show up here. So. And I know you don't get out as much to the theaters as you did, but when you do, come back. This yeah, is fun. No kidding. Well, I did get a, a shit ton of gift cards for theaters, and uh, I forgot to cancel my, um, you know, unlimited whatever at, at Cinemark, and so I've got a number of free movies loaded up there. So me too. I have both Cinemark and Regals going at the same time. <laughs> uh, 
if I thought thought that the upcoming year was going to be chock full of of really good stuff, you know, uh, I think I would probably opt in for the Regal one because that's the local local one. But uh, it's looking a little bleak for me for a while up until you know midsummer, right? once again no pun intended this time <laughs> i can't wait to see 1917 and then what else is coming there's a couple other things coming out pretty quick bad for, boys for life no, no. <laughs> i mean I, i'll go see it just for the oh, podcast man. maybe but fuck you josh <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> you know <laughs> Are you guys gonna? Are you gonna talk about Bad Boys that week? You think? I have no idea what we're doing. Yeah, we we're so far. you know how it is. It's like, what are you doing today? <laughs> that's true, but like, uh, on in some cases, you're already talking about Fincher for the next Fincher movie that's coming. We're out. We're doing uh, right now. The next classic is Zodiac. Okay, and you were also talking about um, bringing Inception to the show when Tenet Inception comes out. So sometimes you plan ahead, and therefore I thought, hey, maybe they're doing <laughs> Bad Boys because I Bad Boys too. I know that that is a shitty, shitty movie, movie, but it is so. It's like Tango and Cash in a way. Can for I admit me. something? I've never seen a Bad Boys movie. <laughs> I'm afraid to keep anything. going. Then. <laughs> I like the original Bad Boys, but I probably won't when I watch it again. Like it's just so is that the classic that week. <laughs> Sorry, I brought it up. If it puts you through misery, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Whatever. <laughs> just get me to when, November. When, yeah. When is our first? Uh, when is our first A twenty four movie? That's what I need to know. <laughs> There's a couple I miss. We need to. Hopefully, we get that Dick movie. There's a. There's this other one. <laughs> Are you familiar just... with the Dick movie? Oh, oh yes, absolutely. It's free, but it's... I only see little clips of it. I'm just kidding. It's a bad joke that didn't go over well. You can just clip like, that right up. <laughs> I went, where do you see this free Dick movie? <laughs> www.mrskin.com. Okay. Right, Bob. I'm a member. Uh, Saint Maud. I'm excited about. Yeah, that looks good. That could, I think that might be the first one of the next year. Uh, but there's a couple that came out last year that we didn't get to see. Uh, maybe not. In Fabric, I don't know what that is. Yeah. The Death of Dick Long. Uh, I think The Death of Dick Long and The Souvenir I Need to See. There's one called like Charlie the Third or something like that. Uh, the something something of Charlie the Third or Charles the Third. When I was looking up A24 movies to make sure I wasn't forgetting anything, um, I saw something that had the third at the end of it, or like the literally one, two, three added on the end. You know, I was surprised too in trying to find these out. I added some to my A24 list that I thought had been A24 movies. <laughs> Like uh, Inside Lewin Davis, for some reason, I just had it in my head that that was A24. Uh, gosh, I can't even remember the other ones. Well, even like Ghost Story and even Free Fire, for that matter. I hate Free Fire. That's the one. But that's A24 fine. But at least it's not, It's not. you know, uh, it's still original idea. It's, it's not a, I don't know. Oh, it was Brooklyn that I thought was A24 for some oh, reason. Brooklyn. And that's not one that we we brought up on this particular show as an honorable mention, but I've appreciated that more over time, too. 
What is the Battle of Lefty Brian? I know we've seen that. Oh, that's the that's the Bill Pullman Western. Oh, that was awesome. That was good, right? Yeah. Yeah, now that I look at it. Yeah, go watch that one, too. Just, <laughs> you're not going to like them all, but there's enough great A24 movies, and there's so many. Have we seen Native Son? Native Son, Native Son. Um, I don't know, Gloria Bell, that was... That was really good with uh, Julianne Moore. Yeah, that's a really solid performance. And uh, Obvious Child is another really good one that uh, people might have missed out on. Jenny Slate? Yeah. What about High Life? Did you see that one? High Life, yes. Uh, yeah, uh, Claire oh. Denis, uh, Robert Pattinson, sci-fi movie. Th- that's uh, available? Uh, it's out there, yeah. It what? came out back in June. I think it's available to stream now. I haven't seen it either. It's it's intense and weird, and uh, I, I loved it. Um, I didn't love it enough to put it on this list or remember it, but... <laughs> <laughs> but Clarity is not, not everybody's taste. Yeah, I need to get to that in the souvenir quick. The Kill Team, I don't know what that is. I don't know. There's a lot. St. Maud, Azola, Minari, First Cow are the ones coming out soon. Can't wait. You know, I remember... Um, when we first started talking about A24, you had also mentioned the Bling Ring. Bling it, Ring, A24. is one of the very first ones, and, and that was kind of like the cause to look into the studio more after Enemy, because you're like, yeah, and I also liked the, the Bling Ring, despite well, the fact that- Well, you like, Spectacular Now. Yes, but yeah. that came a little bit later. Um uh, and like Spring Breakers came later, too, because you guys were talking about it, and I was trying was before to- Enemy, though. But I saw them afterwards, oh. is, is what I'm getting at. Like, uh, Spectacular Now, I saw in 2015. Uh, and yeah, that made it onto my list at uh, number 12 for A24. But <laughs> the end of the tour uh, is a good Jason, movie. Oh, yeah. uh, Jason Segel and Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. And the documentary Amy is uh, quite good as well. Yeah, basically, this is A24 is keeping my love for movies alive. Single-handedly, <laughs> really, when it comes down to it, yeah, they should uh, really send you guys to more uh, hey, screenings. Sean, I I need to give you back your chocolate. By the way, you What's gave that? it to me a long time ago, but Sean gave me this uh, vodka from A twenty four that they gave him uh, that he uh, doesn't. <laughs> what chocolate? The Oscar stuff from uh, the. Uh, we'll talk about it after this. Podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> we were gonna eat it on the show at one point, and then we never did. And like you gave, I don't know. It's sitting over there. I'll show it to you. Yeah, later. I don't remember. <laughs> All right. Anything else? We need to wrap this up. <laughs> Thank you guys for doing this. This was a lot of fun. And please come back whenever you see a movie because this has been fun and yes, I miss indeed. it. I will definitely try and see more movies. I'm you know, gotta see I'm more. like Jeremy Just, Solnier right now. I'm too into TV. When you see something, <laughs> come on. Okay. <laughs> Please. I, we love it. It's a lot of fun for me. Uh, that's the show. Bye. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone can have. And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. We're the best three friends that anybody could have. I mean the three best friends that anybody could have. The friends that three. We all took notes and stuff. <laughs> it was a hard list to make for the the decade. I literally, uh, Wikipedia, of course, has the year in film for every year. I literally looked through every uh, theater release for the past 10 years. And uh, was amazed at 
how that started upticking for me hitting to 2013. <laughs> Amazingly, I started to see more. <clears throat> Initially, I ranked 127 movies. <laughs> oh, shit. Just using the ranking engine just because I was bored. Is that on the flick chart thing too, or a different one? No, this is different. This is a ranking engine. Is a, just this thing you can build yourself, like your own very version of flick chart. Oh, is that what you used for the top one hundred thing yeah. too? Yeah, yeah. To get to it, that's what I did too. And then we tried to do a podcast where we ranked like a ton of movies, and it just did not work when it's. <laughs> With two people, and then we, yeah. if it disagreed on one, then later on it swapped. I don't know. It was, it's more for a one person thing. <coughs> I haven't listened to the show last week when you guys did the year. Was it Midsummer? Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Zombieland 2. I was on the other list. <laughs> More I get away from it, though, I, I kind of think for me, Captain Marvel is not. It's not that it's bad, but it disappointed me. I, you know, I know you had it on your list as the one superhero to have on there, but I was expecting a lot more from that movie. But huh. I didn't say it at the time. I just wanted to say it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's been eating at me for a day. It's still the only Marvel movie I've only seen once. I mean, it's recent, but... All right, we ready? Yeah. 